Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Deep left into the bleachers, a two-run homer. A swing and a miss, ball game. Lift off. And history marches on. 22 consecutive wins. From the sports desk of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com, this is Leading Off with Ryan Lewis, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. Santana makes the catch! Ball game! The Indians have won the American League pennant! The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series! Now, Ryan Lewis and Ashley Bastock. Welcome to Leading Off, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. I'm Ashley Bastock, here with our beat writer at the Akron Beacon Journal, Ryan Lewis. Uh, Ryan, before we get into baseball, I am all caught up on Nine Perfect Strangers and wanted... I don't remember if we talked about it. I clearly have a terrible attention span these days. Have you guys watched that one? No, we haven't. We have not caught up on that one. Interesting. Have you even heard of it? I was, like, curious if it's, like entered the consciousness of the general public in the same way that other similar shows like Big Little Lies had. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So I I had to look it up real quick. We did see this and we were intrigued because it had Big Little Lies vibes. Yeah. It's the same author. So good. It's the same author, um, Leanne Moriarty. I haven't read the book, but I hear... And by here, I mean right on Twitter, that the book itself is totally unhinged. And the show's kind of unhinged. Um, I don't think it's – I might get some flack for this. I don't think it's a good show. Like, I don't think this show's going to win many Emmys. But Melissa McCarthy and Bobby Cannavale are amazing. Like, they're the best part of the show. <laughs> and really the redeeming qualities of the show for me. And Michael Shannon gets to be, like, that – kind of typical Michael Shannon weirdness, which I enjoy. Um, and I think that's kind of an intriguing casting choice there, but um, definitely recommend. So what are, what are you watching in, in non-baseball media these days? We actually, I can't believe this. We got kind of, I guess, hooked because there's only six or seven episodes and they're only 20 minutes each, but it's, it's the show on TBS, the uh, Miracle Workers Oregon Trail. Oh, I've, I've never watched any seasons of that, but it looks good. Like, it's one of those shows that I, whenever I see a commercial for it, I'm like, I should watch that when I have more time. And then I just continuously forget about it, but it looks so good overall. I think, like, I feel I feel silly saying this, but I think silly is kind of the right word. Like, if you go into it, like, it's extremely not serious and not taking itself seriously. And Dana Radcliffe is pretty funny. Which I've never been the biggest. Well, I, I, I guess I've never minded Daniel Radcliffe. I was never a Harry Potter kid. Do you have a beef with Daniel Radcliffe that I don't well, know about? Like, it became like like this funny joke with a, a few of my friends because they were huge Harry Potter fans. And to all the Harry Potter fans out there, I 100% because I don't want to get emails. I 100% okay. re- respect how important it was, how well put together it is, the acting and the production. It just wasn't kind of my thing growing up. 
So it became this joke. Um, but Dino Radcliffe is so freaking funny in this show. Um, and I never would have thought that this would be one that we would like latch onto. Um, but we, we cut off in like one night. Have you, so have you never seen or read any Harry Potter? I've seen three of the movies. So I think I have enough of a sample size to say I don't like the movies at least. I have not, I never really read the books. So I, I, I'm not saying anything about the books and I'm not even saying that it's bad or anything like that. I do not want to go down this road because I respect how you heard it here first. Ryan hates Harry Potter and oh. Daniel Radcliffe. It just, it just wasn't kind of my thing for whatever reason. I just never got into it. I'm not saying that it's bad. It just personally, I was interested. I, I went down other paths. That's all. And it's, it's the fine. I know are. I'm I'm personally not a fan of the movies. I have not read the books, though, so I, I'm not saying anything about the books. I'm going to give you grief on it just because it's easy. But it sounds like to me like Harry Potter is your like Harry Potter is to you what Star Wars is to me. Like I've tried to watch it before and I just I can't I can't get into it. And it's the same with me in Lord of the Rings. Like I can't I can't do it. I'm I, I can't do it. I could never get into it. Um I, I just couldn't like I tried. I gave it a good college effort. Um, both of those watching the the original, you know, the first movie of the respective franchises. Um, and Lord of the Rings, I read The Hobbit in I think ninth grade English. We had to read it. Right. <laughs> but right. but um, yeah, just not my not my cup of tea. Uh, but I say that willingly, and we'll still make fun of you re Harry Potter. I can respect that. I, and that's as a, a massive fan of both Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, but not liking Lord of the Rings. Like that one, that one stung that hurt to hear. Um, Cause like my wife likes Star Wars, but she always thought that the, the original three were just, they were a little slower cause they're made in the kind of that eighties, seventies, eighties, but we're both huge Lord of the Rings fans. So that one, that one stung that hurts. Well, sorry to Alyssa, but not to you. Um, <laughs> Every time that I bring up Harry Potter, in my opinion, I see the pain on other people's faces, so I can I can understand that. I can respect that. Well, apparently, again, you have this beef with Daniel Radcliffe, and I would love to hear do a whole podcast, a whole you know podcast series on the backstory of that. Apparently, and well, how he's crossed paths, what the beef is over, but. We'll leave that for another day. Uh, let's talk some Cleveland baseball now that we are done with our pop culture corner. Uh, let's start actually in Akron, of all places. Uh, Roberto Perez made a rehab appearance in Canal Park on Tuesday. Uh, if you need a refresher on his, his status, they put him on the injured list with an inflamed right shoulder back on August 6th, so almost a full month ago. He played five innings and went three for four with a double, two RBIs, and uh, one run scored. So the reason I want to talk about this is especially given the other catching news since the last time we recorded, which is Wilson Ramos is done for the year after tearing his ACL. Um, so just kind of your thoughts on these two separate news points and what the team has kind of said about Roberto Perez and if he if he has a timeline yet and – uh, anything like that now with, with Wilson Ramos also being done. Well, we're recording a little after 1 p.m. on Wednesday. Um, so Roberto Perez is still progressing um, with his shoulder injury. 
Um, he is scheduled to make his next rehab appearance. Uh, I believe it's with Akron and I believe it's Thursday and Friday. I think he's scheduled to play back to back days, which is always kind of a key, you know, kind of milestone, um, in, in any player's rehab. Um, so, so that's kind of the next thing for him. He's probably not too far, uh, gone from rejoining the team in the short term. It's, um, Cleveland's catching depth has, has kind of been hit recently. Um, so there was some kind of roster maneuvering recently. Uh, plus now that it's September 1st, rosters can expand a little bit. So there is some, some, you know, flexibility there. Uh, but it likely won't be too long until Roberto Perez can return. Um, and it could be a semi important month for him and that, uh, you know, his, his club option for 2022 isn't like overly substantial at $7 million. Um, but considering his injury history, considering he has not been able to duplicate his 2019 offensive season, all of a sudden Cleveland could look at it as a chance to save. I think it would roughly be like 6.5 million or so. Um, and then they can always negotiate with him down the line once he's a free agent this winter. I mean, there's, there's some flexibility there as well. So, um, he's in a slightly less concrete, uh, stance, uh, compared to, you know, maybe where he was heading into the season or, or even last year. Um, but Cleveland's catchers, uh, Austin Hedges is kind of the lone, the lone guy who has, you know, at least recently uh, avoided some injury issues. And that's kind of where things stand. And probably not too long until Roberto Perez comes back, assuming that he gets through Thursday and Friday with Akron, uh, relatively well. And let's stick with Tuesday night in our discussion because Ahmed Rosario became the first player on record to go five, five for five with five RBIs and inside the park home run, a homer over the fence as the Indians beat Kansas City seven to two on Tuesday. Uh, Rosario had the first five RBI game of his career and matched a career high in hits. And according to stats, he's the first player since at least 1920 when RBIs became an official stat to go five for five with five RBIs and both types of homer in the same game. Uh, so just talk a little bit about Tuesday night in Kansas City for Cleveland. It was kind of the fight in Rosario's uh, Tuesday night. Uh, he really did it all. And what in August? He said such an interesting season Ahmed Rosario has. And in August, he finished the month hitting 372 with a 981 OPS, four home runs, eight doubles, two triples, 20 RBI, three stolen bases. Just had an absolutely torrid month. Um, but he's had such an up and down season at times, um, to where he's, he's put himself in a spot where he's going to have a spot, um, in 2022. Absolutely no doubt. It's just kind of a, the, the bigger question is, is maybe where Cleveland may want to have Andreas Jimenez, uh, you know, play at shortstop. You know, he's he's more so kind of the hope uh, as the long term answer there. So that maybe want to uh, they may want to fast track that a, a little bit. So Rosario could move around a little bit into into right or left field. He potentially he could stay at shortstop with Jimenez probably opening at second base if, if Cleveland wanted to go that route. But somewhere Ahmed Rosario's bat will be there. Um, now looking at his season as a whole, while he was borderline unconscious for, for the last three or four weeks. You know, he, he has a 105 WRC plus uh, with 100 being a league average hitter. So he's had a, a quality season, uh, you know, nothing, you know, otherworldly outside of the last few weeks. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's certainly done enough to kind of carve out um, certainly a role in the lineup. It's just a matter of defensively, you know, how, how does Cleveland's front office want to, 
to, to, to line all of that up. Um, but what a night he had. Um, and he had the first uh, inside the Parker by a Cleveland hitter since Jason Kipnis uh, almost exactly three years ago and also in Kansas City. Um, so there's a little bit of a, a connection there. And, and then Tyler Naquins in 2016 was also in mid to late August. Um, I forgot but, about that one. That one was great. Yeah, it's that that celebration. That's the pose um, at the. I, I don't know how I could forget about that. I guess it just has been so so long. It was like out of my consciousness that it didn't like hit me last night watching Rosario's. Yeah, Cleveland needs to stop screwing around and make that a statue outside of. Yeah. Center. It absolutely what? needs That's, to be a statue. Be, yeah, they should honestly like the home run porch is a pretty empty area. Put it there. <laughs> let's like let's move the statues that way a little bit. I know it might kind of screw with the vibe of it being an open open area where you can stand, but like what what a perfect place for that statue to be. You heard it here first. Our yeah. our plea for a statue of that that pose. I'm doing it. It's an audio medium, so it's not not a great venue for me to be doing it. But alas. Until we get that, let's. Speaking of up and down years, um, let's talk about Logan Allen a little bit. He delivered a one-hit outing against the Boston Red Sox this past week, um, and you wrote about him quite extensively in Walk Off Thoughts and also in Three Up Three Down this week. He's never quite been able to put it all together this season. He spent plenty of time in the minors, so that performance against Boston, just what it meant to him individually and kind of what it means, if anything, in the big picture of his season or going forward. It sounds like that outing was the lifting of a, a burden or pressure and frustration, you know, off of his chest, off, off of of his shoulders. That was a night that it sounds like Logan Allen really needed after the summer that he's kind of struggled through where this spring he was, he was looking so great this spring, throwing the ball so well this spring, effectively forced his way into the rotation. And it looked like this may be a Logan Allen breakout year where, you know, when they acquired him from San Diego, you know, he had the pedigree of a, you know, a fringe top 100 prospect um, with some things that Cleveland has wanted to work on. Terry Francona mentioned a few years ago um, that, you know, they were especially working on Logan Allen with his lower half in his delivery to try to kind of unlock some of the potential that they thought was in there. And that's been a process. And that wasn't viewed as, a negative or anything. It was just that there was a work in progress, but you know, they saw some potential and that's why they wanted to bring him in into their farm system. Uh, and then, so this spring looked like that may be the time that, uh, you know, all of this kind of unlocks and, and Cleveland, uh, you know, sees the benefit of it. And it just never translated to the regular season where the first, I think two starts were quality outings. They were, they were fine. And then things just kind of snowballed uh, very quickly and he was sent down to Columbus. So really quickly it went from, you know, I'm sure for, for Logan Allen, a, a, a mass excitement for the season that things may be finally coming together. And then that all just fell apart. The wheels fell off his season. He spent the entire, basically the entire summer trying to get back to that point. And he did Friday night against Boston, um, which is also a very tough lineup to do that against. So I think this was a, a, a confidence booster. Um, younger pitcher who probably needed it after all the frustration of, of the last several months. And for Cleveland, it's just something that can help with, uh, you know, that, that future outlook and you know, knowing that that potential is, is in there. Cleveland's going to have several difficult decisions this winter, especially in terms of, of the 40 man roster, which we've talked about, but even looking ahead to next spring, especially with the outfield and the pitching staff, 
Um, in terms of where guys are placed, if guys are moved to the bullpen, that's possible for Logan Allen, considering if, you know, assuming if Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak, Aaron Savali, Cal Quantrill, and Tristan McKenzie, if they're all healthy, that may push Logan Allen to the bullpen. Uh, if he's, if he's throwing well, there are some, there are going to be some, uh, options issues, guys without minor league options. Um, that, that also may force that move to the bullpen anyway, even if he's not pitching well, but Cleveland wants to keep him within the organization. So there's, there are several moving parts, uh, but there's just not as much flexibility going into this winter, both from a 40 man standpoint, uh, in November and December, and then in February and March, uh, there, there's not, there's not a ton of flexibility with minor league options, uh, at several spots. Um, and, you know, Logan Allen could fit somewhere into that, that picture, uh, but this was a, a, a much needed night, I think, for him and his confidence. Um, and it would be a big thing for him if he could kind of finish the season strong into September, log a, a few more quality starts to have something to build off of going into the winter where he'll, he'll try to have another spring like the one he just had, but one that actually translates uh, into regular season success in 2022. And speaking of pitchers having problems in Cleveland, uh, let's talk about James Karinczak. In his previous 11 appearances, Karinczak had allowed nine runs, 10 hits, and six walks with only seven strikeouts, uh, a far cry from his rates before that extended stretch, and it all came to a head on Friday night's 4-3 to three loss to the Boston Red Sox. Karinczak allows a three-run home run that gave away a 3-1 to one lead, so What's going on with him, and what went into the organization's decision to send him down to the minors? So pitching coach Carl Willis noted um, especially that one issue that, that they believe that Karen Cech is fighting uh, is that when he's releasing the ball, it's it's an issue with being square uh, with his delivery, with the plate. It's there, There's a ti- uh, effectively a timing issue with his delivery in that when he – the timing of, of exactly the point of when he's releasing the ball, um, something is off there and that they're hoping to be able to correct it. And they'd like to allow Karen check uh, to be able to work on that in triple a away from the pressures of a major league situation away from a results based process uh, where they only want to focus on the process and his mechanics and things like that. Um, this is not to imply but it is fair to note that, uh, you know, James Karinczak's spin rates have been in a in a decline for the last few months since MLB started cracking down. And his spin rate decline has not been as severe as other other pitchers around the league. Um, actually, not even close to others, some pitchers. But it is a fact that his spin rates have not been where the team uh, would like it to be, where they were, you know, last year. And that those things combined may be uh, kind of the, the – the catalyst for his recent issues. Um, but they want to give him time, you know, in AAA Columbus to, to work on these things um, and to really just build a, again into, into the winter, into the off season programs, into spring training. That's kind of the focus, uh, more so the focus at this point, um, you know, barring a 23 game win streak that breaks Cleveland's record, barring something like that. It's very likely that Cleveland season at this point will end on October 3rd, just considering the situation, the standings, the injury issues that are still affecting Cleveland with, you know, Shane Bieber and Aaron Savali are progressing, but, um, you know, there's just not a lot of time left to be able to make up that kind of you know, ground, barring something pretty extreme. Um, so with that in mind, um, you know, it, it, it does make some sense to be able to, to allow him to just focus on his mechanical issues 
going into the winter um, because, you know, going into 2022, having Karen check and Klaze together um, as kind of a, a one-two punch in, in the back end of the bullpen, that's going to be extremely important uh, to any postseason hopes next summer. And again, all of that is assuming pitching health, uh, which, you know, obviously is kind of the story of Cleveland's 2021 season. Um, but as they try to set up 2022, uh, Karen check is, is a crucial point of that. And let's move off the mound for our last point and talk about Bradley Zimmer. You wrote about him in the up section of three up, three down this week. And an interesting statistic, if you were to guess which hitter owns two of the three longest home runs by a Cleveland hitter since the beginning of 2015, you might be surprised to know that it's not Edwin Encarnacion or Mike Napoli or Fran Mill Reyes. Uh, it's actually Bradley Zimmer. So talk about that aspect of things. And obviously it's, it's super interesting to me as like you wrote about, he looked to be on his way out potentially as he struggled through another rough offensive season earlier this year. Yeah. So again, looking to 2022, I'm not sure there's a player in Cleveland's roster who has flipped his out outlook um, more so than Bradley Zimmer over the last few months where early in the season, yeah, he, he's struggled. He's continued to struggle. He's turning 29 uh, in, over the offseason. He'll be out of minor league options next spring. So as of a few months ago, it's looking like, you know, that leash is just getting really, really, really short and time's running out where maybe he gets a chance to open the season next year while out of options in a somewhat similar case of Jake Bowers where They've seen something before, so maybe they try to extend that leash as long as humanly possible before having to break ties with him. But um, there just there just wasn't seemingly a lot of progress. And DeMarlo Hale talked a few weeks ago. It it does take time for some guys. Players figure it out at different rates. Sometimes it never happens. Sometimes it happens almost immediately. For Bradley Zimmer, you know, it, it took a long time to not only get there, but to also deal with injuries and, and battle some injuries and adjust his swing, um, adjust some things defensively um, to try to stay healthy, to try to adjust to, to what major league pitchers were doing to him, and then just generally develop as a, a kind of a third layer on top of all of that. And it, it took him time. And that isn't to say that he's completely figured it out. He did just go through, I think it was like a one for 14 or one one for 16 stretch, but around that stretch, he's absolutely destroyed two baseballs. One that almost cleared the second row of trees, uh, which is borderline unheard of territory. That's, you know, that's really only like Jim Tory or sorry, Jim Tomey territory. And then he hit a, a second ball, which was actually six feet shorter to the second deck, which used to be called Pronkville. And when it was called Pronkville, it was actually more, uh, reachable at that point. Um, since that time, since Travis Hafner played in Cleveland, they renovated the park. There are fewer, you know, rows out there in that second deck, that, that mezzanine section. Um, TJ Zuppi is the first who noted that it, it, it ought to be called Zim City. Uh, cause really since they, since they renovated it, it that's been unheard of, uh, you know, uh, for, for a landing spot and Zimmer hit it pretty deep into that section. Um, so he's just absolutely destroyed. And those two home runs aren't like the bigger picture. They're awesome highlights and they're fun to talk yeah. about. Um, but from a larger standpoint, you know, he has seemingly, uh, made some serious strides and considering the, you know, and as we've talked about, considering the, the wide range of unknowns, uh, with Cleveland and its situation in left field and right field 
And who knows what happens with free agency? Who knows what happens with trades over the offseason? But in terms of in-house, um, you know, Zimmer's done very well to kind of put himself near the top of that, you know, pecking order to try to get some opportunities going forward. And it may have just happened just in time as he nears the point of being out of options, as he nears his 29th birthday. But, um, you know, at, at this point, it's, it's possible that he just hit that right, right at the right spot. Uh, but those two home runs, um, you know, it's, it's amazing to, to hear the names of Encarnacion and Napoli and Reyes and, and Zimmer's, uh, topped all of them except for one Encarnacion ball that was 466 feet. Edwin got Zimmer's second shot by one foot. Um, but other than that, it's Bradley Zimmer at the top of the list, which, yeah. uh, would have won a ton of money in Vegas had you bet that. Man, what a stat. What a fun set. Like you said, it's fun to talk about, uh, but nonetheless. We've made it through another podcast. We are off next week, but until we are back in two weeks from now, uh, you can catch us on social media and over at beaconjournal.com. So find all of Ryan's writing about Cleveland's baseball team under the brand new Cleveland Guardians tab, only a few short weeks from that being the official name of the team. And find him on Twitter at by Ryan Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at Ashley Bastock 42. Uh, and again, we'll plug our other sports podcast, brand new Beacon Blitz podcast covering Akron area high school football. You can find that after every Friday night with me, my, and Michael Bevin and Michael Leonard. I almost said me, myself and <laughs> Michael Bevin and Michael Leonard, two of us, um, two, two Ashleys. If that was the case, uh, we would all be in trouble. Although sometimes I do wish I could clone myself. Uh, it might be trouble for everyone else. Um, so anyways, until next time, be sure to be on the lookout for the latest in Ryan's feud with Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs>